Today on Let the Bible Speak. Can something be free and cost you something at the same time? Greetings and welcome. It's good to have you with us today for Let the Bible Speak. The saying goes something like this, nothing in life is free. And it means even if something is advertised or offered at no cost, there are always strings attached and we will end up paying in one form or another. While many people jump at the prospect of getting something for nothing, there is usually some catch. Many today think that any number of services and commodities should be free for all, but of course, somebody must pay for those things. There is a cost whether we immediately recognize it or not. Now, the greatest thing in all of the world is indeed free. It is truly a gift from God. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, the Apostle Paul wrote, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Salvation is freely given by God's grace and never by man's merit. But the truth is that this free gift comes at a very high cost. How can this be? Well, it's one of the great paradoxes of the gospel. And we're going to talk about that in our lesson today, so I hope you'll stay with us. The high cost of a free gift after a song from the congregation. Go forth in the name of the Savior with tidings of love divine.
paradox is at least two statements that seem to be incapable of being true at the same time. They appear contradictory and maybe even absurd, but after a closer look, the statements do not collide, but instead reveal important truths by the comparison of their parts. Many of Jesus' teachings are paradoxical. For example, in Mark chapter 8 and verse 35, Jesus said, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Well, that doesn't appear to make any sense, yet it is one of the most powerful truths in all of the Bible. The phrase to save one's life simply refers to living one's life according to his own desires and objectives, and when one chooses to do so, they forfeit their eternal soul. When one loses his own life by selling out and surrendering to the will of Jesus, then he is promised eternal life. So a seeming contradiction teaches an important and soul-saving truth. Jesus also taught that those who are first will be last, and those who are last will be first, or that the least in his kingdom will be the greatest. One time he said to his disciple, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. He was telling this disciple who wanted to delay his service to Christ because he needed to go and bury a dead relative. Jesus used this odd statement to show him that spiritual matters are more pressing than physical things and that those who are already spiritually dead and unrepentant could attend to those who had physically died while this disciple should put spiritual matters first in his life. So you see, paradoxes are a way of impressing powerful truths upon us, and Jesus used them often in his teaching. Our lesson today consists of a paradox, the high cost of a free gift. Salvation is a gift from God. It is free. But at the same time, it is costly. So how do we reconcile those statements? Much of the world has very wrong concepts of how salvation is received. Some believe that salvation is earned by the good deeds that they do. If you try to be a good person, do nice things for others, then you'll go to heaven when you die. That's what a lot of people think. That's the idea, in fact, that really most people deep down have, regardless of what their religion may be. Many world religions are based on such a concept. Even many professing Christians live under such a delusion, and that's why you rarely go to a funeral, but that the preacher depicts the deceased as now enjoying the bliss of heaven because of some redeeming quality in their life. Perhaps they were friendly or helpful, they were kind to people, maybe they loved their family, perhaps they gave a lot to the community or devoted their time and money to charitable causes. Maybe they were even devoutly religious and lived a moral life, regularly attended church services, and stayed busy in religious activity. Well, those are all wonderful things, but they don't earn salvation. Nothing can earn salvation. Paul plainly tells us in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 that eternal life is the gift of God. Paul also declared in that oft-quoted but usually misunderstood passage, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now the word grace means favor, and more specifically it refers to unmerited favor. God showed favor toward us that we in no way deserved, and had not, and never can earn, because the Bible says in Colossians 1 verse 21, you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. Romans 5 verse 10 puts it this way, For if when we were enemies 
we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. How could we ever claim to have earned or secured our own salvation in view of such wonderful statements? Not only that, but the gift of eternal life is also offered to all who will receive it. Jesus said in Revelation 21 and verse 6, I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He will turn none away who desire to have his salvation. It is a gift to those who will turn to him. One cannot earn it by their good works, nor can they purchase it with money. It's not for sale. Peter said we were not redeemed with silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. And you may recall Simon the sorcerer was condemned by Peter in Acts chapter 8 for attempting to purchase the gift of God, which in that case was the apostolic power to impart miraculous gifts. He wanted to purchase the gift of God with money. So by essence of the definition of the word gift, salvation is God's gift that is graciously and freely offered to all who desire to have it. It cannot be purchased. It cannot be earned. Salvation is free. But that begs the question, does that mean that it costs nothing? The answer is no. In fact, there is nothing in all the world that has ever cost so much. First of all, consider the high cost of providing the gift. Someone must pay for this gift. While the word free often appeals to us, behind it is the reality that someone at some point had to pay something for that thing of value. That is certainly true of salvation. Many have the idea that salvation is merely an arbitrary decision on God's part. They believe that God, on whatever basis, simply decides to forgive us. But that's not the case because of God's own nature and character. Number one, God is holy. That is, He is by His very nature separate from and untainted by sin. God is life, He is light, and therefore He can have no fellowship with unholiness. Therefore, while we are in our sins, we have no relationship with the God of life and light, and therefore we are spiritually dead and in darkness. And God warned man before he ever sinned that the day he did so, he would die. Number two, God is true and therefore cannot lie. If God says that death and condemnation are the consequence of sin, then he is bound not only by his own holiness, but also his own word. And so if he simply overlooked the sin of man and did not mete out judgment for sin, he would be a liar. Number three, God is no respecter of persons. If God arbitrarily forgave my sins without sin's punitive requirements being met, He would also have to forgive your sins and the next person's and the next person's on the same basis, or He would be a respecter of persons. But God does love the sinner. He loves every sinner. And He has a great interest and desire in seeing sinners forgiven and the original relationship restored. To do that, the consequences of sin must be meted out and the demands of His justice and holiness met. So somewhere in all of this tension, there is a debt that is owed and must be paid for God to be reconciled to us and for us by His grace to be given eternal life. Now the Bible says that such salvation is the gift of God given to us. But you see, that gift costs the giver dearly. It costs God the Father. 
the golden text of the Bible, as it has been called. John 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Oh, that's the simple message of the gospel. That Christ, the innocent one, took our place, the guilty. He died the death we deserved because of sin, suffered all the pangs and agonies that were rightly ours to suffer, so that we, the guilty, could go free, and by the power of His resurrection can undeservingly live eternally. But that cost God something, you see. It cost God more than any of us could or would ever be willing to pay. Romans chapter 8 and verse 32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. And in chapter 5, verses 6 through 9, he there says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. One of the most concise statements of the gospel in all of the New Testament. It cost God everything to reach down and rescue our pitiful and sin-wretched souls. And He paid that price. That's why it's unconscionable that men and women refuse His gift today when they refuse to obey the gospel, seeing what He paid for it. It not only cost the Father, but this free gift also cost the Son. Paul so eloquently tells us in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in the fifth verse, that Christ emptied Himself in coming to earth. It thus cost Christ the renunciation of heavenly glory and majesty which He had with the Father before condescending to human form and entering this sin-cursed world. It cost Him the humiliation of servitude, even to the point of dying an ignominious and excruciating death upon a cross. And it even cost the Spirit of God to provide His work in the redemption of mankind. He who can be grieved, according to Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, has through the ages wooed the stubborn and sin-hardened and rebellious hearts of people through the preaching of the gospel. And how long He has suffered with wicked men who continue to ignore Him and resist Him. So all of heaven in cooperation has paid a dear and heavy price to make the free gift of salvation possible. You ever stop to consider the grace and the love that God has shown to you and all that He has given for you to be saved? So you see, salvation is not something that God extends on an emotional whim. It is a marvelous and incomprehensible plan that He paid dearly to provide for you. So there's the high cost of providing the gift. There's also the high cost of accepting this free gift. First, please notice that the gift must be accepted. Though salvation is a gift, that doesn't mean that it's automatically received or automatically transferred or given. It is offered to us by God, but the gift must be accepted and received. And though we can never earn something and it still be a gift, the paradoxical truth is that accepting the gift does require some things of us. 
For example, Jesus taught that it costs the denial of self and the relinquishment of many things that we hold dear. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, Jesus said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. You see, receiving Christ and his gift of salvation doesn't mean that nothing is required of us. The Savior made it clear that one cannot be his disciple if he or she refuses to deny their own will and submit to Christ's will. We must be willing to give up the world and anything that impedes a relationship with Christ or we cannot be His. How could you have the gift of eternal life and not be Christ's disciple? The Apostle Paul stated it this way in Philippians chapter 3 beginning in verse 7. He said, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. Salvation is not merely an insurance policy to prevent one from going to hell. It involves a living relationship with Jesus that requires self-surrender. This is what makes the gospel such a hard thing for me to accept. If it was just a matter of receiving Jesus as Savior, uh, who would refuse that? The catch is that we must receive Him as Lord and ruler of our lives. All of our lives, not a portion of our lives, all of our lives. But the two, you see, receiving Jesus as Savior and Lord are inseparable. Uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse 11 says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Peter preached that God has made Jesus both Lord and Christ. Acts chapter 2 and verse 36. He is not only the Messiah sent to deliver and save, He is the Lord sent to rule in your heart. And Jesus does not rule in a heart and life that is not sold out and fully surrendered to Him. The Lordship of Christ over ourself, our life, and all that we possess must be acknowledged and submitted to if we are to know Him as our Savior. And not only does that mean that the gift of salvation costs us something, it costs us the things that we hold very dear. We cannot merely surrender those things of little value and retain the things that matter to us. Jesus requires that we surrender all or nothing. Now, if accepting God's gift of salvation requires surrender of our own will, that would necessarily mean that it also requires obedience to the teaching of the gospel. Friend, you can't surrender to Christ and at the same time refuse to obey His commandments. Just accept Christ and be saved is the appeal of much of the religious world and has been for quite a long time. But such a mantra is simply not biblical. It sounds good, it's popular, but it is not biblical. In no passage does the Bible ever say such. Rather, those who heard the apostles preach the gospel and desired to be saved, they were told to submit themselves by faith to Christ's teachings. That's one reason the Bible uses the phrase, obey the gospel. The gospel is the good news of salvation offered to all through Christ. That's the gift. But that message is to be met with obedience by the person who hears and surrenders to it, who believes it. Listen to the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 9. He says, though he were a son, 
Yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he, Christ, became the author of eternal salvation. There's your grace. That's the gift. He became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. You see, it's conditional. Now, does that mean that our actions earn or merit salvation? No. God forbid. The gift of eternal life can never be earned, I repeat. We will forever be reliant upon God's sovereign grace. Even after a lifetime of diligent obedience and service to Christ, Jesus said in Luke 17 verse 10 that we are still unworthy or unprofitable servants. But yet that doesn't change the fact that accepting the gospel and receiving salvation requires obedient surrender to the Christ. Jesus told His apostles that they were to preach repentance and remission of sins in His name. Luke 24 verse 47. You see, there is not forgiveness of sins without repentance. Well, does that mean that by repenting of our sins that we have merited salvation and is no longer by grace? Well, of course not. And likewise, Jesus said in Mark 16 verse 15, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. The word gospel means good news to every creature. What is the gospel? It is the good news that Christ died for our sins. He paid the debt that we could never pay. He was buried and rose again for our justification. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 through 4. So how do we receive that? How are we to respond to that? He goes on in the next verse to say, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. Friend, the gift of salvation comes with a high cost. Salvation cannot be bought, earned, or merited by any number of good deeds, good intentions, religious works will never make one worthy of such a wonderful and amazing gift. But the paradox is that a price must be paid. It costs God the Father more than His Word can convey to our weak and finite minds. It costs Jesus, His Son, the agony and shame of the cross. It costs the Holy Spirit all of His effort and work through the gospel to woo your soul to Christ. And it comes to every person who truly receives it with the cost of complete submission of self to the rightful claims of Jesus on your life and unconditional surrender and obedience to His will as expressed in the New Testament. So I ask you today, Jesus paid the high cost to offer you eternal life. Have you paid the high cost of accepting it? Have you obeyed the gospel in faith, repenting of your sins? Have you made the costly confession of His name? And have you been immersed into Christ for the remission of your sins? Consider doing so today. What an awful price was paid when Jesus died upon that tree, shed its precious blood for sinners, you and me. We had not to pay, but Jesus freely ransomed our poor souls. What a wonder!
Jesus once reminded us that we must count the cost if we would be his disciple, that cost being the willingness to surrender ourselves, to give up whatever may stand in the way of a relationship with God and obedience to his will. Are you willing to pay that cost to receive the free gift of salvation that Christ Jesus purchased for you at the cross of Calvary? Your good works are not enough. Your religious deeds are not enough. In fact, they don't even begin to pay the debt that your sin has incurred. That debt must be paid by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he offers you that free pardon today if you will simply surrender your heart, your mind, and your will to him in gospel obedience. If we can assist you in taking those steps, we'd love to hear from you. And we'd love to help you become a New Testament Christian today. If you would like a free copy of our lesson, and it is indeed free, it may cost us a few cents to print it and put it in the mail to you, but we are most happy to do that. And it is yours for the asking. We never ask for your money here, and we never will. We simply are here to preach the gospel and make available to you resources that will help you to better your understanding of God's will. If you'd like a copy of today's lesson, ask for it by the title, The High Cost of a Free Gift, and we'll get it on its way. Thank you so much for joining me today for Let the Bible Speak. Tell someone else about our program and encourage them to begin watching the program from week to week. And also be sure to follow us and watch us and connect with us online. YouTube, social media, our website is ltbstv.org. Hope you'll make your plans if God is willing to join me back here for our next time together of Bible study. Until then, have a wonderful week ahead and may God richly bless you. Let the Bible Speak is brought to you by The Church of Christ. For more information, including our past broadcast and sermon transcripts, visit ltbstv.org. Thanks for being with us today. Join us next time for Let the Bible Speak.